El nuevo Crispy Chicken Sandwich de McDonald's es crujiente, tiernito, jugoso. Es pollo en la McDonald's, un mordisco y wow. es el nuevo Crispy Chicken Sandwich. Ordena por anticipado en el app de McDonald's. Para pa pa pa. En McDonald's participantes. Did you open a can, by the way? Did I open a can? Yeah, I heard a popping at about 48 minutes, just like two minutes ago. Oh, no, I didn't. Uh... Oh no, I didn't open a can, but uh, I knocked over a, a container with um, toothpicks in it. Okay, I'm sorry. You're good. I need to clear my workspace a little better. Damn right you do. Damn it, we're running a professional outfit here. Are we? No. Okay. Well, that was definitive. <laughs> <laughs> that went from irony to painful abject realism pretty quickly, didn't it? You think of Earth as a singular planet. In fact, it is anything but... But this is a story not of a universe, but a multiverse. Where universes and planets, such as Earth, were replicated and mirrored across a vibrating, infinite plane. Some barely different from the next. Others drastically so. This is DC On Screen. Every week, Dave and Jason talk about the multiverse of DC properties on film and television. But be warned, if it's been officially released, you can expect they'll spoil it. Welcome to DC On Screen episode 479. I'm your host, David C. Robertson. This, my co-host, Jason Goss. Hiya. So, um, yeah, man. I don't, I, you know, I kind of feel like we don't have, like, a lot of an update for anyone in, in, a, in terms of, like, our personal lives. Even though we didn't talk about our personal lives yesterday, we just recorded the Black Lightning review. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know, it seems like we haven't been away for very long, but. Mm. Hey, no. man, how you doing? No. You doing good? Good. Any, any anything to report? Like anything to announce or or uh, I don't know, no claim or anything. No boring stuff. <laughs> boring stuff over the weekend. The whole thing. <laughs> you still working on your bathroom? I am. Yeah, and I went to go do everything underneath and all the drainage and all that stuff, and like went to cut one wall, and and turns out that under that piece of drywall, because that's an addition to an original part of the house from uh-huh. 1947, they just left that wall. They didn't like tear down the exterior wall. There's just Oh. They just put a piece of drywall over it and started the other room. <laughs> Whoa, that's special. Yeah. <laughs> so I made I made the sound you just made for about 15 minutes because it was that or, or you know, anger. There's really only two choices. And uh, yeah. literally got out graph paper and went back to the drawing board here. I mean, you could have gone all weeper on it, you know. I'm not there yet with the renovations. I'm not quite there. There's there's That's a thing in the future, probably. Yeah. Just gone all Tim Conway on that. Yeah, just yeah. That's that's in my future. But no, I I managed to just laugh that one off. And uh, next time it happens, I'll probably just cry and hurt something. Hopefully not myself. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> not well. I'm leaving that one open ended though. I'm not promising anything. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, you know, this is a news episode, and uh, before we uh, jump into news. I do want to mention or, or remind you guys that you can leave us a voicemail at 205-259-6331 and uh, we'll play it. We'll play it on the uh, on the show if you're, you know, of sane heart and mind. Yeah. And respond to it if it makes any fucking sense at all. Unless you're the Witter Woman, we'll probably just play it and be like, I don't know what to do with this. Yeah, but- probably chuckle and be confused and move on. <laughs> yeah. So, um... I'm going to start the news off with kind of a bummer, honestly, or like, not even kind of a bummer, just a real, like, sad, crappy news. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, it's a follow-up from last week. Mm-hmm. Um, Makuda, the 11-year-old Batman fan who had cancer, uh, he passed away. And uh, he didn't actually get to see like his last wish, you know, that Ben was Ben Affleck was trying to help him with to to get his family or his mother to Atlanta. Uh, that didn't happen. He did get to talk to her on Facetime, but he passed away before she could get there. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know. It felt weird not following that up. Yeah, but it is super sad. Yeah, I don't even know what to say that one. That that just sucks. Yeah, is it possible you have anything less sad up your sleeve? Because Lots of stuff. That's the only place I know where to go with it. Yep. I am going to move on and um, try to be happier. <laughs> I'm sorry. Surely we can manage happier than that. What do you got? Yeah. All right. Well, uh, Deadline is reporting that WB has uh, completed a deal with Kathy Yan to direct Birds of Prey. I don't know what Kathy Yan has directed. Like, I mean, I do, but uh, some a movie called Dead Pigs and a number of shorts. And that's it. Like, two or three shorts, that's it. And Dead Pigs. And uh, I haven't seen it, so I don't know what to think about it. Uh, yeah, I'd never heard the name before in my life. Nope. Um, but yeah, fingers uh, crossed. So the birds of yeah, the birds of prey movie is uh, reportedly going to introduce Batgirl uh, into cool. the DCEU be- before her solo film, and provide us with the next appearance of Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn. So uh, there's more to this though. Uh, Variety yeah. says that Suicide Squad two. Um, which is being directed by Gavin O'Connor, is now being pushed back um, and is unlikely to start shooting in 2018. It's, it's actually unclear if it's even still moving forward. Um, Justin Kroll on Twitter said, uh, As for Suicide Squad 2, clearly moving out of 2018 shoot, the move to go with B.O.P. Birds of Prey not only had to, had a lot to uh, do with Hodson's script, Christina Hodson, mm-hmm. we talked about that last week, but also the idea of doing with Batgirl what Marvel did with Black Panther and Civil War by introducing them into the universe before giving them their own film. Um, so, yeah, that's cool. I, I, I would like to see Batgirl before. I would see her, you know, in a standalone before. I don't care. But, no, either way. Um, if if we do like a si- Gotham City Sirens slash Birds of Prey type of situation, that could be really cool. Sure. And uh, there may be a little bit more to this because, I mean, who knows, right? Uh, but they did, there is a big piece of news that also came out this week. Steven Spielberg is going to either produce or direct. They, they weren't, they seemed like they were saying direct. Um, a DCEU movie. Well, they didn't say that either. It was just a DC Comics film based on Blackhawk. Um, now, I mean, uh, David Cope is writing this, uh, and he's a longtime collaborator with Steven Spielberg. And I've seen a lot of people saying, like, oh, this is the asshole who wrote Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Let's be fair, though. He, I mean, he, he, <laughs> he also wrote Jurassic Park. <laughs> <clears throat> and, and the, the Lost way World, I hear which was it, good? The way I hear it, that fridge scene was insisted upon by powers that were definitely not him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, honestly, and I'm going to get crap for this. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I did. I liked Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I did not feel like that movie was any more dumb than the other Indiana Jones movies. Like, I feel about that movie much like I feel about Die Hard 4 and 5. Like... <sighs> Dave. What do you th- what do you think happened here that cha- that made it into a cartoon? Because it was a cartoon before. That was amazing. In the course <laughs> of one sentence, 
That's that's before you elaborated. In the course of just how you started that, you managed to piss off anyone who so indignantly said, That was a pile of shit. Are you kidding me? I, uh-huh. And I, I'm I'm in that group. I watched it one time. I laughed the entire time thinking, I'm not supposed to be laughing right now. Uh-huh. But then, to anyone who might have been thinking, Yeah, Dave's got my back, you went, Because you're fools too. <laughs> you, I think you managed to put yourself on an island in the course of like 15 words. It was pretty impressive. I'm good, man. It I, was you pretty know, impressive. I stand by it. Like, just, exactly like the Die Hard movies, man. Like, I enjoyed all of those movies. Like, <laughs> yeah. all of the Indiana Jones movies, all of the, uh, of the Die Hard movies. Some of them more than others. But, you know, the people who who step out and say, well, this, you know, Crystal Skull turned it into a cartoon. No, it didn't. It continued a path. I'm sorry that the new, mo- the new movie didn't live up to your rose-colored nostalgia. That is uh, some of that, sure. I just, it's just that uh, I never got over the fridge scene. For the whole rest of the movie, I couldn't get over the fridge scene. Oh, I mean, it was dumb. It wasn't even the, the I didn't care about aliens. <laughs> They weren't aliens. Like, they they brought, were extra-dimensional aliens. I know, but it was like they brought in aliens into the freaking India. Just supposed to be at archaeology. Extra I was dim- like, it's like, but yeah. I, I mean, the Ark of the Covenant was a big thing. Like this is, they were, I, they were clearly going okay. hitting big every time they went. Like I don't know. It's just it's. I'm it's I'm dumb. confused because like okay, in the first one we did like literally the Ark of of the Covenant melting people's faces, the power of God melting people's faces. In the second one, we had like voodoo shit with people pulling hearts out of chests. You know, I I don't. The third one, like they literally had the Holy Grail and like I don't know Saint Peter or Moses or whatever the hell, whoever that was, <laughs> whatever the hell that was. I mean, yeah. I in mean, the course uh, that's the part that I didn't I didn't disagree with. And in the, in the course of those movies, they brought out uh, they brought out God, they brought out uh, magic, and they brought out aliens. And I don't care what system of theology you're into. I feel like everything was pretty much included. Yeah, like whatever the thing is, is whatever the the mystical and or uh, supernatural uh, sci-fi thing is in these movies that they suspect is at the heart of this. It always turns out to be real. Like, yeah. When I saw that crystal skull, I went, "Oh yeah, we're doing aliens this time." <laughs> That's gonna aliens are gonna end up being real. Sure. Anyway. Yeah, I, I just that that, yeah. that was the part where I was like, so, oh, it's such a stretch. I'm like, eh, don't I mean, you know, did you see the other ones? Anyway. <laughs> yeah, okay, but anyway, David Cope, whatever you think of those movies, David Cope, he wrote War of the Worlds, Jurassic Park, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. By the way, he's writing the new indie. He's writing indie five too. So just right, get ready right. for that if you had a problem. Uh, the first Mission Impossible movie, Spider-Man, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movie, mm-hmm. Stir of Echoes, The Mummy, the 2017 version, so bleh. <laughs> Angels and Demons. <laughs> I uh, haven't seen that. I don't know whose fault that was. But it did uh, not Zeth- go over well. Zathura, Space Adventure, Secret Window, Snake Eyes, The Shadow, Carlito's Way, Death Becomes for Toy Soldiers. There's plenty of stuff to choose from. And, you know, you can you can pick any number of things from his catalog and, and make an argument that it's either bad or good. I say we just wait, wait it out, and, and see see what happens. You know, I, I'm fine with that. I, but uh, uh, like unpacking the universe as it is uh, in in DC, like I don't know if that's going to be attached or not. You could, you could, like, There's no reason you can't. Uh, you can throw a few lines that way, and and it can be a standalone that also, you know, pays a little bit of tribute here and there. We, well, you remember uh, said Tag Maui, the guy that played Samir in Wonder Woman uh, last year, tweeted a picture of um, of Blackhawk. 
mm-hmm. and said, coming soon. <laughs> and everyone thought yeah, that, that meant that he was going to be in it. Yeah, no. And by the way, he's still ta- he's still posting stuff on Twitter about Blackhawk now and the Blackhawk Squadron. Oh, see, that'd uh, be cool. I mean, at least yeah. have somebody that was tied in. That'd be fine. It's a World War II story, you know, and uh, but, now, yeah, the Black Hawk Squadron were created in '41, and they were a big international squadron of pilots led by uh, this American guy called Black Hawk, and mm-hmm. then later on they were all called Black Hawk. And uh, there was even a, a, a lady Black Hawk who was Zinda Blake, and she wound up getting time displaced and uh, wound up as a uh, main tem- team member of the Birds of Prey for a long time. And I really liked her character. So that's how, you know, that's another thing. That's kind of interesting that they're bringing in Birds of Prey. And now they're talking about Blackhawk. I'm like, could we see a Lady Blackhawk? Nice. Yeah. I'm just saying. Uh, none of that's to be ruled out. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it would be cool. But uh, you, as you pointed out, it doesn't really matter if it's connected to the universe or not. If Steven Spielberg approaches Warner Brothers, they say like, "Yes, and what do you need?" Yes, yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you're doing World War II. I hear you have a uh, a good deed on that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I hear you've treaded on this material before. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm I'm not heavily heavily steeped in Black Hawk, but. Uh, I don't know. I'm excited for it. Like I liked Lady Blackhawk a lot in The Birds of Prey, and uh, if uh, if Samir is back, I- I'd like to see that as well. Like that's that's exciting if that's if that's true. But the only thing I don't want out of this is I don't want it to be something we do every six months where they attach a mm-hmm. giant name to an unconnected movie and then we never hear from it again. Like, look, Scorsese. <laughs> Right. What are you talking about? I never said that. Spielberg, what do you well, I never said that. What are you talking about? Well, the difference is the Scorsese thing they haven't like officially announced and they've officially announced this. I know, I know. But I just, um, don't what's, to, what's, just don't want that to be a trend. What's exciting to me is like a lot of people are saying like, you know, like, oh man, Spielberg was the one that, you know, said that the the superheroes were gonna go the way of the Western, blah, blah, blah. But like this this kind of project is exactly the way it's not going to. Like Steven Spielberg coming in to do a World War Two, you know, uh, period piece, using these characters. Yeah, uh, no, it's using these DC characters that tie in. Yeah, that's how you do that's it. That's the way you dig in ex- deeper and find cool. a whole new level you can explore cinematically. Like that, that could mm-hmm. that could be groundbreaking if it happens the right way. Yeah, so I'm excited. Now um, over to Aquaman. Mm-hmm. James Wan announced earlier um, with a photo on his Twitter of Randall Park. He says, so happy and fortunate to be finally working with this man, Randall Park, on pickups. Hashtag Dr. Dr. Shin. Um, and it's like him and Park, and they're standing in front of a blue screen. Mm-hmm. And uh, so in the comics, Dr. Stephen Shin was a friend of Tom Curry, Aquaman's pappy. Uh, helped train Arthur with the use of his powers, but then went nuts and tried to kill Arthur when Arthur wouldn't reveal the location of Atlantis. Then later on, when the As trench were does. killing Atlanteans... Yeah, but then later on, trench the trench were killing Atlanteans. Arthur asked him to help out, and uh, he did, but then uh, turned on Aquaman again because Aquaman wouldn't let him keep a trench corpse for research. So, uh, real stand-up guy. <laughs> yeah. And... <laughs> As for yeah. Randall Park, I, I have a lot of faith in the guy. I've seen him in a lot of stuff over the years. Um, and everyone keeps like bringing up Fresh Off the Boat. He's also going to be an Ant-Man and the Wasp, by the way. Oh, cool. But uh, everyone keeps bringing, bringing up, like, oh, he's the star of Fresh Off the Boat. I didn't see that. In my heart, he'll, I'll always know him as Asian Jim Halpert. You remember oh, that? God. From The Office? 
<laughs> All right. Although I have seen Fresh Off the Boat uh, many episodes. Just it's one of the ones the wife watches, and when it's mm-hmm. when she's watching one, I I actually do sit down and watch that one. It's pretty funny, and uh, he's great. Cool. Cool. Yeah. I mean, yeah. in a comedy he, situation, he's great. I don't know how he's going to do an Aquaman. Yeah. He he sold it as Asian Jim Halpert, just convincing Dwight that Jim was Asian all those years. <sighs> you are not Jim. This is Jim. He looks at the picture, and it's like that dude with like two Asian kids with Pam. Yeah. Just amazing. Yeah. Amazing. I love The Office. It was great. Um, <laughs> those were historic-level so, pranks. Oh, yeah. So uh, Grace Randolph uh, of Beyond the Trailer... Uh, did a whole video, and she was very condescending and weird, and I uh, just, I, don't, I was uh, unhappy with it. Uh, she s- tweeted out her, her video and said, So, wow, last week Aquaman managed to announce, quote, pickups and adding Randall, uh, sorry, Park Randall as a brand new character without anyone noticing. And in the video, she I watched about two minutes before I just clicked off of it out of disgust, where she's just, you know, doing a lot of, like, air quotes when she says pickups and trying to like, Oh, they're adding a character and they're, you know, putting a positive spin on it, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, James one responded to her and said, uh, and he was a lot more, he was a lot nicer than I would have been. <laughs> um, he says, hiya, grace, love your stuff. So I'll speak up. I didn't add a new character. Now, Dr. Shin was in the script since day one. I had cast Randall a year ago. I'm a big fan of his, but I didn't shoot his stuff until now. Hence it's literally, Pickups with him. Mm-hmm. Cheers. I was like, hell yeah, dude. Get it. And <laughs> <laughs> get it, but be polite. Though, though, and classy. Though he and was he it. hey, but he he was still like nice about when people were like, you know, doing what I just did and was like, get it. He was still like, Hey guys, calm down. I wasn't attacking her. Just just letting you guys just, know. Just correcting a thing that I under that I know was wrong. It's fine. Yeah. He was still classy about it. Um, <laughs> that is that is nice one. I, I the only thing it I is. saw out of all that I, I saw some mention of her, but I thought I don't know who the hell that is. Um, the only I I did see like a lot of these. They're doing pickups and reshoots and they're blah blah blah. The movie's doomed. It was like it's like I mean it's like the better part of a year before we see that film. They're fine. They're yeah. way ahead of this. It's eight months. I mean, it, we're they're fine. This isn't, yeah. they didn't just finish filming something four weeks before the thing is in a red carpet. Like, they're, they're fine. Yeah. And by the way, to, for her part, she did like respond to that and, you know, say like, oh, we're looking forward. I'm looking at me and my listeners are listen, or watchers are looking forward to the movie and blah, blah, blah. You know, they are all very cordial and everything. Mm. But, uh, you know, I don't know what else she would do I, except be like me and just be like an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> It's uh, it's one of the things that bonds us, Dave. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just can't help it sometimes. Hi, I'm Dave, and I'm a reactionary. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking more of the asshole part. <laughs> yeah. We uh, yeah. we have that piece of DNA. Whatever, whatever makes it. All right, over to uh, Shazam, Zachary Levi, man. Uh, you know, I I feel like a hypocrite because I came out and I said we're not going to be talking about all these like Instagram things anymore. Like when the stars come out on Twitter or Instagram, we're not going to talk. And then Zachary Levi and David Sandberg are just like, yeah, you will. <laughs> like it's not news, but it's funny. If Zachary, uh, like every if it entertains every, me, screw it. Yeah, everyone on the uh, on the internet is still like pissing and moaning, saying Zachary Levi isn't uh, ripped enough. Because he was and he chuck, put up, and he, he weighed like 130 wet, yeah. man. I, I get that. 
so he puts up this picture of himself, like, holding a weight, like, looking, you know, pretty buffed, staring off into the distance, like, dramatically. And he writes, it's like the old saying goes, hard work over time plus chicken and broccoli minus carbs divided by whey protein in which X represents the amount of supplements and Y represents the sentiment of why the hell am I doing this to myself multiplied by shameless selfies while staring into nowhere. Carry the one equals results. See, that's the kind of thing I can get behind. (laughs) And Henry Cavill responded, looking fantastic, sir. Bloody nice work. And your nowhere stare is on point. <laughs> and Zachary, Zachary responds, honestly, the nowhere stare has been the biggest challenge. But two to three hours a day of nowhere stare practice has really paid off. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's hilarious. <laughs> All right. Well, carry on, guys. I feel like they're just, I feel like they're just bashing us over the head with the idea that Superman is going to be in Shazam. I, I don't, I don't know. Uh, Cavill's just so engaged in social media concerning this universe. And uh, that's pretty mm-hmm. much all Zachary's doing right now. So yeah, I, I feel like they're just kind of in each other's orbit at this moment, but it does deeply make me want to have at least like a 20 minute short film where no one gave them a script and they just sent them out in costume and said, do what you want. We'll put some effects on later. Just, just go. Right. <laughs> well, on, on Superman's birthday, the 18th, uh, Zachary Levi posted a picture of Superman getting punched in the face by Shazam and wrote, Happy birthday, old man. You don't look a day over 75. Stop running into my fist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you see my point then. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I, I, I want more Superman. I want more Cavill. Shaved, I do. but yes. Yeah, shaved. <laughs> uh... Oh, someone asked uh, Christopher McQuarrie recently if he would direct uh, a Man of Steel sequel, and he just said, they know where to find me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this is the dude that, that uh, this is the dude that directed uh, the last Mission Impossible, the one that wouldn't let them, let Cavill shave his mustache. Right. Yeah. Though I doubt it was his call. Mm, yeah. I mean, that's, that's a tough call. Oh, I have no idea. And just one of the silliest decisions I've ever seen take place. Mm-hmm. All right, so uh, I think we're done on on uh, on movie news. If you're not following us to uh, TV news, we are going to get a little bit spoilery. If you're not caught up, uh, we will be talking about a number of TV shows. We're going to be talking about Gotham, uh, Legends of Tomorrow, Arrow, and uh, we're going to get super spoilery on those. So um, if you're not following us, thank you for listening. Go check us out at dconscreen.com. We're over on Twitter at dconscreen. We're on Facebook at dconscreen. We're on Instagram, same thing. And um, we love you, and we hope to hear from you soon. On to DC TV news. Have you heard about this No Man's Land shit on Gotham? I did. I'm scared and confused. Yeah, me too. <laughs> now, the show hasn't even been picked up for season five, but according to executive producer Danny Cannon... Um, a dark night, no man's land will change the fabric of Gotham's DNA. Um, he says, like, he says the catastrophic event, the cataclysm, a cataclysmic event that happens in the last three episodes, not only will change Gotham, it not only combines so many characters that you don't think will cooperate with each other, but it changes the face of Gotham forever. So that season five, is almost a reboot and a different show. Yeah. Um, 
And he referred to it as a reboot of stories. He says, our characters have reached a maturity now. Our characters are so well-defined, and that's why I think, as writers, that's right about the point when you want to change people's perception of them. The term reboot means just when you thought you knew people, something else will happen. And just when you thought your season five would be like season four, season five is completely different. New characters and old characters that have changed is a complete departure, and the city has changed too. New characters on a new landscape. We're building to something much bigger is the biggest cliffhanger we've done. I mean, there has to be a season five. Everything points to that because it's set up that way. That is I have never really wishful thinking on behalf of someone who has not been renewed and just got a finale date like last week. Yeah, I'm somewhat concerned about that. Like either that is them basically saying, hey, you can say you can start talking about this because you're going to be renewed. Yeah. And it just hasn't been officially announced or he is just saying this stuff in hopes that people like freak out and try to get Fox to renew it. Like trying to get fans to like show support or something. I don't know. Right. This is I mean, I'm terrifying. airing right now in, in the favor of I think it will be. Yeah. But, you know, it's it's I, I wouldn't put money on it. <laughs> I wouldn't put money the on it. The thing that scares me the most is that they're going to do this giant cliffhanger and mm-hmm. um like I think in the original concept, like that, what they wanted to do with the show was do this whole "this is how Batman began," and then like I, I, I don't know if this is just me imagining it or if they said it, but I, I feel like they wanted to have like the last shot just be like Batman looking out over the city, fully Batman, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, yep, we've arrived. Now, you know, we're yeah. out of here. Thanks for thanks for watching. It was a, it was a fine mm-hmm. idea. I, I, I really like the concept, but he's using reboot in a way. That I'm not entirely. It's it's not quite reboot in the way we normally think about it. And I get that. Like it's yeah. He wants to tell different kinds of stories, and I, I think for some reason I think what he means is that he's gotten the characters to a certain point. And No Man's Land, like I've heard him describe it as like he's gonna shove some characters together together in like new configurations that are gonna be interesting. And I'm, I'm thinking the whole time like that sounds fantastic. Let's do this. But I mean, let's have Bruce team up with Scarecrow for all I care. Let's do it. Why not? But I, I, like, I, yeah. I don't know where that leads them, and I don't know what kind of different story they're planning on telling. But I've actually enjoyed Gotham enough this season that I, I don't know, man. I, I'd, I'd be down. I'm not exactly yeah. wishing this one gets canceled. It's uh, yeah, it's really if that's up. if that's where they're landing, I'm really hoping it doesn't get canceled. Yeah, I mean, the moment I knew it was named No Man's Land, I thought, oh shit, that's this is gonna be this is gonna be, this better be something, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to know something infuriating? Uh, I think I already know. Go for it. Uh, Danny Cannon was talking to comicbook.com, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, they asked him if they would be calling Jeremiah the Joker. Oh, yeah. No. And he, I and he says, I don't think so, no. This is an origins show about the beginnings of everything. Therefore, we just wanted to do the beginnings of why. When we first did the pilot, we were trying to create a world where someone like Batman would be necessary. And that's what you well, that's what we've done these last four years. If you want to survive as a villain in Gotham, you've got to think big. We just wanted to really make an origin story of not just one character at a time and how they got made, but why things got so out of hand in Gotham and where criminality is going in Gotham. So far, or how far it can get, how bad it can get before someone dons that black suit and becomes a vigilante that will change the city forever. And he says, I think that... I think that just spawned the conversation of the idea of it, of the Joker not being one person, but like I said, it's a personality. It's a way of thinking. It's more powerful than just one person. Therefore, that sparked the conversation of if it's the opposite of good, the opposite of Bruce Wayne is somebody who just wants to destroy 
and wants to do it in a chaotic way that when <clears throat> then that could be anyone because you are literally just going the opposite of your main character and take it as far as you can go. I don't think that's just one person. I think that is a way of life. It's an ideology. So I feel like they're doing this. They're doing the same thing here with the idea of the Joker that they're doing with the, 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 the notion of the show. They're trying to have their cake and eat it too. Like they're trying to say like, Oh yeah, you, we've got to have a cliffhanger because we've got to have a season five. And if you don't give it, it's, it's not going to work. And they're trying to say like, well, we, we just made the Joker, but mm, he's not really the Joker. We can do whatever we want. I couldn't decide it's if just I, an ideology. I, I can't decide if he means that, um, there's never really going to be one Joker, which is, fine and at this point like something dc comics is actively doing so it's hard to hold that against them if that's the route they're going yeah um like next year jeff johns is going to explain that whole three jokers thing and and uh, you know we have that to look forward to so maybe that's where he's going and maybe it's not though like i don't know where jeff johns is going with that yeah i know i know um yeah but it it's hard to tell if what he means is that there can be multiple jokers and maybe we live in a land where, like, that scene that we eviscerated, where it's like the stabby stabby dudes. Uh, maybe it uh-huh. is that the idea can spread so much that uh, a couple of homeless guys and stabby stabby in in full, like, at the end of the fulcrum is just Jeremiah, this engineer turned maniac, and he's not even going to mm-hmm. be the last. Like, you'll have to deal with this idea your entire career, Batman. Good luck. Yeah, I, I don't. You know, there's nothing really wrong with that outright. The only thing I'm pissed about is that it's it's really David Mizu's fault because I I, uh-huh. I feel like we we handed the baton to another person. I was like, that's amazing, that's perfect. It's you know you you fulfilled what you said. It was going to be a new origin, and you you did it, and you managed to keep uh, Cameron Monaghan, and he's amazing. So I think you just kind of like took all the best pieces of this puzzle. You'd maybe possibly formed accidentally and you just put it together the right way and i was i was i don't know i was pretty hopeful about that but maybe they're just gonna go in the a different direction i i have no idea mm-hmm. on that they've i don't either i think they've like, intentionally set it up where i have no idea on that yeah i don't know i kind of feel like every like nothing is anything yeah. on gotham yeah. like anytime you see anything they're like mm, we'll, we'll change it later oh i know in a way they're kind of like meta jokering us all <laughs> yep it's pretty fantastic if you think about it that way you know, my favorite my favorite um, theory about Gotham is that it's not really about the beginning of Batman. It's about about the beginning of Owlman. <laughs> <laughs> That's still my favorite theory. Yeah. Like, <laughs> One day you're going right, to see a, um, a set of red eyes under a cowl and go, yep, that's my boy. I knew it. <laughs> I think they're past the mark on that. Like, I don't think they can like really pull it back from Batman now, but <laughs> I don't know. Um. I, I mean, we haven't seen explicitly a bat symbol, and he did say his favorite no. animal was an owl. But that's mm. that's the thing. If historically, the reason he was a bat is because that was his least favorite animal. Right. So that's really the biggest mark against the Owlman theory to me. Maybe. Yeah. All right. Uh, we're gonna talk about Legends of Tomorrow real quick. Shoot. Uh, this is gonna be annoying too. Yay. <laughs> Mark Guggenheim was talking a little bit about whether Vixen and Rip Hunter would be back. And he said, he tells Entertainment Weekly, Yes, Maisie will absolutely be back. We just felt like we owed it to the character to complete this arc, complete this story loop that we got her in. 
Once we took her off of, the, of her path in 1942, it was always incumbent upon us to return her to that path. That was something that hung over us as writers and hung over the character. It should. I'm looking forward to a yeah. I'm looking forward to a different storyline for Amaya next year. We'll reveal our plans for Macy's character at Comic Con this year. I I don't know how they're gonna do that, but then he also went on to talk about Rip Hunter. He says we love Arthur. We love having Arthur on the show. I think Arthur enjoys being on the show because it's a time travel show, and because we never saw a body, anything is possible. <sighs> well, we knew that part. Yeah, we pointed we out knew that like, part. They they, sh- they 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 looked at where his body should have been, but it wasn't there. And they even like took time to focus. It was. But it was still like, yeah, we know the trope. We didn't see the body. Mm-hmm. <sighs> it's just though, aggravating. I'm, well, I'm not even all that aggravated about that. Like, Vixen, it is a time travel show. If you took her out yeah. for a guest star spot for a couple episodes, it wouldn't necessarily interrupt the timeline. In fact, I'm going to double down and say it would be fantastic because maybe they actually pull out the entire team and then they have a backstory with Vixen that wasn't there before, and they have to keep secret just on the on the deal. Not not really secret, but like we pull out the JSA for a second, and maybe uh-huh. for God's sake, I can see our man again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Maybe even doing something. Yeah. Other than standing around looking like a fake lawyer in a black suit. <laughs> um, I I just I get aggravated with the death means nothing. Stuff it's the, like, like Legends is like one of the only places where I do like that premise for exactly that reason. It is really hard to die mm. in Legends. Yeah, it's really hard to die everywhere. I know, I know, but like it's it's more plausible. Like if somebody dies on Arrow and they come back, I'm like, oh damn it, man! What? How, how'd yeah. you pull that off? And in Arrow, and in Arrow right now, they're like, oh, we found more Lazarus pits. <sighs> yeah, yeah, I know. Like, but it has to be something terrestrial. With, like with legends, they're like, "Yeah, somebody's gonna come back to the show." I'm like, "Oh, they just jumped another time. No big deal." Mm-hmm. And I, I don't, I, I'm not, you know, sighing about it or anything. It's just, oh yeah, they just, yeah, we're gonna go visit her in another time period. It's, it's fine. Yeah. Oh yeah, Rip's trapped in some kind of uh, phantom zone time thingy, probably. And yeah, yeah, we'll see him again in a second. He's, he'll probably pop I back figured. in, maybe phase in and out, and kind of ghost some people for a second before he appears again. Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I figured, you know, there was going to be some sort of like, well, he had the try he was using the time drive, so he's probably some uh, some other place in history or he's like in like a little pocket dimension or something. Yeah, my um quantum gobbledygook. My worst fear of it is that like he used the time drive, he exploded, and when he did it, I, I like I'm hoping they don't do some voodoo where it's like uh, he comes back and it's his body, but since he used the time drive in the same space as Malice, Malice, whoever you want to agree with, mm-hmm. um, he inherited some of that like demon quality, and we come back with Evil Rip or something. Again, yeah, they've already done Evil Rip in season two. I know. The only way I'd be okay yeah. with that is if they did it and they see him and like Constantine's like, oh, oh, oh hold on, I got this. <laughs> just <laughs> knocks it out real quick, and then we just have Rip Hunter back. And be like, ah, oh, that's okay. That's that's solid. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, over to Arrow. Uh, Guggenheim is promising uh, that the season finale is going to be a game changer. He says the show fundamentally changes in the finale. And I think you'll see their stuff that we were seeding back in the season premiere that finally comes to fruition here in the season finale. Well, yeah, that's how it's supposed to go, Mark. (laughs) So you'll see that there was a very specific plan to the entire season. Yeah. We always knew that this is where we were headed to. So hopefully in subtle ways... Uh, have been teasing this all along without you realizing it. My hope is that people are surprised, but also look back and are like, oh, that was kind of the only way they could have ended the season. Now, 
Uh, I definitely have Steve, something to point out about that. What's that? He says, hopefully, have teased it. As though uh-huh. they wrote the premiere, realized they could use the premiere to finish the thing, and then mm-hmm. crossed their fingers that at some point they had on a subconscious level written something into that season that made sense for it. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know, hopefully we alluded to it. I wasn't really paying attention. <laughs> But we went back and watched um, episode one, and we're like, we could use that, and then started writing this episode. Yeah. Uh, I kind of like your take, and hate it. I I mean, I really hope that's wrong, but it just kind of, that's what it sounded like. Uh, uh, that was, yeah. I don't know. I don't want to be right on that one. Yeah. Now, Stephen Amell uh, tweeted a picture of himself sitting by someone who in a hospital bed, and it was like, the person was all painted over in green, mm-hmm. with, you know, probably some little photo program, and... uh the caption said, finales destroy me. <laughs> nice. So, someone's going to be laid up. But, uh, speaking of getting laid up, um, Warner Brothers has announced that uh, Beth Schwartz is going to be taking over uh, showrunner duties on Arrow in season seven. Mm, nice. And, uh, you know, a lot of people have been saying, you know, oh, fresh blood, fresh blood. Dude, this is not fresh blood. She's been with this show since season one. She was a writer's assistant in season one. Oh, she man. was co-executive producer on the current season. Yeah, that that's OG. So I mean, I'm it, assuming it's nice that it's going to be more of the same. Because at, at this point, like, yeah. Guggenheim has annoyed us in particular on several occasions. Mm-hmm. Because I'm not sure if he's lying intentionally or if he just says things and then doesn't follow through. But he'll say shit. And then, like, three weeks later, it'll be wrong, or he'll say the opposite thing. It's frustrating. Yeah. Because you want, you want to hear the showrunner for Arrow and think, well, that's where they're going. And it's just not true. Yeah. So, in some ways, I'm kind of hoping for uh, for our sake that, that that's gonna be, there's going to be a change pace there. But uh, as far as the seasons have gone, I mean, man, you, you pick a season and there's – it's been uh, it's been a struggle to, to get everyone on the same page for a, a few seasons. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Hmm. I'm I'm hoping for the best, obviously. Like she has been named full showrunner, uh, full executive executive producer and showrunner for season seven of Arrow. Guggenheim um, will be sliding, quote sliding, into an executive consultant role uh, on season seven and on Legends of Tomorrow season four. He's like Phil Klimmer is going to be taking over full time showrunning duties for Legends, which you know, based on his la- utter utter lack of. Uh, understanding of Constantine's character that we talked about a couple of weeks ago makes me a little worried. Yeah. But, in, you know, all I can hope for is the best for these shows. Uh, I mean, I don't want to, I'm going to watch them. I don't want to, I've invested so much time. I, we got this podcast. There's no way I'm not going to watch them. No, there's, but, you know, no one wants to sit down and watch like a bad season of television. Yeah, obviously. I feel like that's what I've gotten with Arrow this year. Like, Legends blew it away, blew Arrow away this year, and that's unprecedented for me. (laughs) I'm like, really? I've liked Legends mostly, and it's still unprecedented for me. I I would still agree. It's it's been a little rough to watch for a lot of reasons, and it's one of those things where, like, a couple weeks ago when you kind of heard Guggenheim say we miscalculated something. Uh, it was about like new team arrow versus old team arrow. And like you, you invested all this time into old team arrow and we did this and they were, they were arguing and uh, like, you basically heard him say like, look, we, we didn't, we didn't think that was going to go over the way we, it went over. Yeah. And you know, coding that down, it really, it was just him saying, look, we didn't know how writing works. <laughs> it could be that rough. We didn't know how narrative works. <laughs> 
<laughs> it, I, it's not that way. Like, surely, I mean, it's it, the guy knows how it works. He's made great television yeah. that we've really enjoyed in the Absolutely. past. But there have been a couple Absolutely. of things where, like, it, it looking at the whole picture just from here with mm-hmm. zero insider information, it just looks like he got to a point where he had too much on his plate and wasn't making calculated decisions. It just, it, I don't know. It just feels like it. Um, yeah. It just was a little too much to deal with all at once in certain ways. Mm-hmm. Especially like, man, you're a showrunner, dude. That is a, it's not quite 24 seven, but it's literally like 19 seven. Like you yeah. get a few and hours and you come back too. and you try. Yeah. He, he, yeah. He's on that too. He's probably writing that in the five hours of sleep <clears throat> he's supposed to be getting every night. Mm-hmm. Not a personal indictment. So anyway. I'm excited that it's going to no, transfer a little a personal bit. indictment. It's a professional one. Yeah. <laughs> No, I'm, you know, I just, that's quite an oversight, man. That's all I'm saying. That's quite an oversight to not realize that people weren't going to like just go completely against the new team arrow. It's been worth it at times. Like I've enjoyed, um, as you said, spoilers, I've enjoyed watching team arrow whittle down to one person. Yeah. (laughs) Because it's been like, it's been a neat turn on the story, but it's, it, you know, we're, we're not where we were right now. A year ago, when we were gearing up to the series finale of last year, we're not there. No, it's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot left on the table. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, at this point last year, they'd start playing that freaking Prometheus music, and like I'd get like a pit in my stomach and feel like I had to do or something. Like, <laughs> oh no, oh, something bad's gonna happen. Gonna oh, drop. there he is. I hope it's not there what I like. Is. Yeah, <laughs> and. And now I'm just like, what are we still doing this? <laughs> yeah, I don't. Why, why is Curtis mad now? Oh, okay. He's he's blaming Oliver for breaking up his marriage. No, you made that decision, buddy. I'm sorry. We watched you on you, screen make that decision. Yeah, we we watched you lie to your husband and actively choose being a vigilante. This is on you. Yeah, it was. Uh, but anyway, it's it's been a little weird. Mm-hmm. But anyway, we'll review that. I think we're gonna wrap this episode. Yeah, uh, we're, we're we're this is that's it for the news. Um, I hope you enjoyed the show. I'm sure Jason hopes you enjoyed the show. Absolutely. You hoped that the audience enjoyed our show. Any show. Okay. Well, that's fair, and you know, pretty nice of you, honestly. Just being uh, broad about it, but you know, right. As I've put it before, we pedal in escapism, and uh, good for you if you managed. <laughs> Um, so yeah, like I said before, you can leave us a voicemail at 205-259-6331. You can, uh, check us out every episode for free at dconscreen.com and, uh, Shamalama guys. I don't know. You can email us at dconscreen at gmail.com. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and, uh, we would love to talk to you in any of those places. So, uh, actually also I'm on Vero, David C. Robertson. We're on TV time. <laughs> Both of us. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so um, there are so many places to to talk to us, and we hope you do. Mm -hmm. Until next time, guys, keep some DC on your screen. Why do I sing it now? I've done that a couple of times lately. We're on 479. Screw it. Be free. Be free, tiny bird. (laughs) Free. Chirp, chirp, chirp. Keep some DC on your screen. Why not? Do like a Norwegian hair metal band. Sure. (laughs) I don't even know what that sounds like. Roughly that in my imagination. You know what would be would that be metal? Just cut it. Cut it right right now.
Our opening narration was from Dan Jurgens' The History of the DC Universe, Part 3 of 10, as featured in DC 52, Week 4. It was performed by me, David C. Robertson. Intro music by Jason Goss and Michael Shackelford. Michael's band, Future Elevators, could be found on Spotify or future-elevators.com. Our introduction was performed by Effie Ophelders of the fantastic podcast Stealing the Remote, which lives on SoundCloud. It can also be found on iTunes and Stitcher. We are proudly in partnership with TV Time, the TV show calendar and social media site that lets you keep track of what you're watching, what your friends are watching, and where you all left off. DC On Screen is a maladjusted production. Visit maladjusted.tv for more from me and Jason, including sketch comedy and improvised web series, vlogs, parodies, and more.